Listener Production. Coming up on today's edition of Footy Talk, Michael Pryor from the West Coast Eagles had everyone talking about the AFLW fixturing. We break that down. We talk about one of the best Irish women to play in the AFLW competition. Something building nicely with dream time between Richmond and Essendon. The Saints are on the verge of finals and the latest trade news as well. That's all coming up on Footy Talk. It is Footy Talk, of course. If you're listening on Spotify, then hit the bell, send us some love and tell us what you think about the show. I'm Jack Heverin, alongside the Queen of Triple M footy, Kate McCarthy. K-Max, seven rounds done in the AFLW season. Still a few little spots in the final top eight starting to take shape and are up for grabs, but it is all starting to make sense now. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too, Jack. And yes, talking about round seven of the AFLW today and... Yeah, you're right. I think the top four have pretty much been sewn up, but there's a number of teams between that, I think, 5th to 13th that are sitting on about three wins that can still sneak in depending on their percentage as well. There's a couple of games in particular I want to ask you about before we finish up. Let's jump straight into some comments that the West Coast Eagles coach Michael Pryor made after their loss to Nam on the weekend. It was a demolition, 70 points. Nam are one of the best teams in the competition. The reigning premiers, we know all of that. It was more around what he said post-game and the fixturing of the AFLW competition. Let's take a listen. Yeah, tough result. Um, I thought we started okay. Our, our first half, our pressure was right up there. But at the end of the day, that's um, the team that won the grand final last year against the team that finished last in 18 teams in the comp and only 10 games. How we play that team is beyond me. That's what you get when you get fixed in like that. So that was after Sunday. Uh, there were a lot of thoughts and a lot of comments on social media. West Coast Eagles issued a statement on Monday afternoon and Michael Pryor said, I'd like to acknowledge my comments regarding the AFLW fixturing were unacceptable. It was a disappointing performance and I was frustrated, but that does not excuse my comments and they do not reflect the club's position and I take full responsibility. It goes on to talk about the youngest list in the competition and all of those sorts of things about closing the gap. You're a coach in this competition now. You've also played for one of the best teams in the competition. What did you think when you heard it? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting comment to make when we're, as players, trying to move or, sorry, I'm not a player anymore, I keep saying that, (laughs) as an ex-player, we're trying to move towards that 18-game competition or 17-game competition where you play everyone once and him coming out to say that kind of gives them a reason to say, well, you know, a lot of the coaches don't want to play the tough teams when they're a developing team. So... I think it kind of puts us backwards a little bit in that perspective as well, which is maybe something that people haven't quite thought of that, yeah, that's what we're trying to actually ultimately aim for, um, to play everyone. And to be the best, I think you've got to beat the best. And that's as as a coach sort of with the team that I'm coaching at the moment, the Western Bulldogs, we all know what sort of transpired there this season. It's obviously not the way we would want to have played so far. We're zero and seven, haven't won a game, but we came up against Adelaide Crows on Friday night and – they're the, the number one team in the competition at the moment. They beat Melbourne last week and we saw that as a magnificent challenge. Mm. It, it really gave us an opportunity to see how we actually have gone and how we match up against the best. And we ended up losing three players in the first quarter of that game and we still competed really well in that game. So we walk away from that knowing how we stuck up against the best. Um, so I'm surprised it doesn't give them a look into, yes, they're they're well off at the moment, but it, it showed 
I mean, a few of their young stars really stood up. They, they should take that as a huge positive out of the game. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty mind blown actually when I saw what he'd said. I, I just wonder, and it's been a tough season for the West Coast Eagles. In fact, the, the four years they've been in the competition has been pretty tough for them. And I think there's a bit of work that's got to go on around the draft and, and trying to make it fairer for some of these clubs. But I just wonder from a player's point of view, Kate, you finish your game, you do your ice bars, you do all that sort of stuff, and then you see these comments online and you wonder, well, our coach doesn't think we're actually good enough to play against the best teams in the competition. Yeah, I think that's kind of, that's how I would take it if I was a player. But I think there's also got to be some context around it too. So some conversations directly with him if you're a leader at that club and and just finding out exactly why he said it. I mean, there's there's a heat of the moment thing. It's a high pressure job, obviously, in any environment, whether it's women's or men's football. And that football club hasn't seen a whole lot of success in the last 12 months. And I think that also plays a part on it. They're, I think, mm. banking a lot of hopes on their women's team when their men's team did so poorly. Um, you've always got that sort of second chance to to really lift the club and perform. And there's that pressure that's sort of fallen on them as well. So I think I'm, I'm glad they came out and made a statement around the comments um, and that he apologised. And I think at the end of the day, there's some things as coaches that we probably intend to say in post-match press conferences and we get caught up in the loss and, and how disappointed we are and, and they come out in a way that we probably didn't intend. So um, I'm glad that he's come out and said it. But, yeah, I, I I would definitely say that's not what he sort of walked into the press conference intending to say. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement as well. The Dees, on the other hand, bounced back pretty hard, though, didn't they? I mean, they they would have taken the loss to Adelaide pretty personally, as you say, say Kate. Alyssa Bannon kicked five goals, was in really, really good touch. They've got so many offensive weapons. Yeah, they do. Their forward line is just stacked. And that move from Bannon um, from the wing, she had to fill the gap in the wing last year with Eliza McNamara being out. And now that McNamara has come back in, just her potency as a forward that can get all the way up the ground, but also just race you back to goal. And a couple of her goals, she had about half a metre space and then just put on the jets and was just gone before any West Coast defender could do anything about it. So she's been fantastic. And Eden Zanker and Kate Hoare are both the leading goal kickers at the moment in this competition. So, I mean, yeah. when you've got two of the top two in your team, good luck to the rest of the competition. But Adelaide did beat them the week before, so we've got to be talking about them as well. We certainly do. And just on Alyssa Bannon, I've seen her a couple of times this year. Kate, tell me what you, you think. She's tall, athletic, fast, good kick of the footy, very good around goals. Is she one of the next big things in the AFLW competition? She is in the sense of impact in the game, I think. But I think with how stats-focused we all seem to be, um, she's never going to be one that gets 20, 30 disposals a game because she plays as as that sort of hybrid forward. Um, And then she's got her tools like Hoare and also um, Zenka down there. They they have a really interesting forward line. They don't have – super tall timber down there. I mean, Zank is their tall target, but Hoare is a real hybrid. Yeah. She gets up the ground. She plays as a fifth mid. And then Bannon is is tall, but not sort of wouldn't be able to have a matchup made for her with defenders. So I love the structure of their forward line. It's just so dynamic. It's so um, quick and 
they can just, as soon as the ball's on the ground, they can beat you. If the ball's in the air, they can also beat you. But yeah, Bannon, I think, in my opinion, absolutely a game changer in the competition already. Um, and we'll just continue to grow and, and they'll can continue to work on her and, and add more strings to her already very full bow, I would say. It's a very, very, very full bow. Uh, Pies beat the Blues 4-3 to 1-4. Kept Carlton to their lowest score ever between the two teams. A little shout-out to Sarah Rowe, second Irish woman to play 50 AFLW games. Played well too, nearly 300 metres gained, 18 touches. She's a funny little unit if you follow her on social media and all that sort of stuff. Her and Ruby Slicer are the dynamic duo, but uh, she's been a great pick-up for Collingwood. Yeah, she sure has. And, and this season, she's just taken her game to a new level. She played a bit of W League soccer in the off season and said that that made her really, I think, relax and find her love for footy again. Because um, I guess as as players that have previously done multiple things at once, you can get a bit bogged down and a bit, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but bored doing one thing at the time. So I think it was a really good opportunity for her to let loose and go do something else and, and come back and, and love footy again. And you can see she's loving it. She's playing probably career best footy at the moment. What about you? Like those of us just want to be good at one sport and you and Sarah Rowe and, some, and Mon Conti are saying, oh, we like to play two or three sports. Most of us stuck at one sport, Kate. <laughs> yeah, but if you're good at them all, you've got to have a go at them all, Jack. <laughs> Otherwise you get really bored. You get very <laughs> bored playing the one sport the whole time. No, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, dream time. It was the second dream time game between Richmond and Essendon. I love what these two teams are doing. They're trying to build something in the in the men's season. Dreamtime is one of the biggest fixtures. I love that these two teams are putting the work in here. Yeah, I loved it as well. And for me, it was probably the match of the round. It was super close. Um, the whole time, I think Essendon could just edge in front and they were they just had their noses in front for most of the game. The third quarter, the Tigers really came back and took it to them, but... I mean, for, for Richmond, they're really depleted at the moment. They've got that many injuries. They've got train-ons playing for them. Um, yep. They're in a real world of hurt with their with their troops. And if they can manage to string together two more wins, they might make it through and hopefully get some of those troops back for finals. Um, but, yeah, I think the big story coming out of this one was um, Matty Prasparkas getting a one-game ban against uh, for the tackle against Hosking. So mm. I'm not sure if they'll appeal that because there was a whole hell of a lot of momentum that, that Sarah Hosking took through the tackle. So I'm not sure if, yeah, they'll maybe look to, to appeal that one um, as it came out. Well, they were also looking at the Matty Prasparkas tackle on Monconti, which she was cleared of in the end. And... You could probably argue, Kate, that she might have been a fraction lucky to get off with that one. Yeah, I think they, they determined that she didn't pin the arms, so then it wasn't yeah. as dangerous. But with the one on Hosking, she definitely did pin the arms. And then I'm not sure if she drove her into the ground or her momentum took her into the ground, but we've seen how strict they are on, on the action. So I'd say it would be a pretty difficult one for them to get out of. Now, the Saints are a story here. You spent some time with the Saints and you know that they're another team that have had their struggles since they've come into the AFLW competition they're going to go very close to playing finals for the very first time ever. They beat the Giants on the weekend. Um, there's a confidence about this group at the moment. On a really good winning streak at the moment and they've got some good games coming up as well. So this round they play Frio and then after that they've got a difficult one round eight against the Lions, which will be tough. Um, and then round 10 they finish off against Carlton. So... I tell you what, that one might come down to yeah. the winner gets into the finals. That's shaping up to be a really important fixture, obviously, with Carlton going down to Collingwood on the weekend. So, 
Yeah, I think two of those are definitely winnable and two wins should probably get them into finals. So they're sitting in a great position. You know what it also, it's it's a very good reminder to people that even the AFLW season is 10 rounds, that you can go too early on things. And you know, I'll stick up for a mate of mine, Nick Del Santo, who's the coach of the Saints and has copped a bit of heat along the way. After two rounds, people wanted him hung, drawn and quartered and he's been able to turn this group around and get them to a point where they could play finals. And I'm sure the apologies won't come, but <laughs> they should. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's similar to the Michael Voss possibly situation at Carlton, <laughs> um, how quick we are. I think it's even quicker. You're even quicker to go off in AFLW because the season's so short. You lose a couple of games and then you're almost on the chopping block for not making finals and, and the way they have been able to turn it around. But I think that the, the thing that people do need to consider is um, just the, the fixture as well. Like the way that you're fixtured sometimes, you're going to lose a couple of games and then you're going to be in contention for the last few. So apart from those four powerhouse teams, it really does determine who you come up against and when you come up against them. So, yeah, I think that's just probably another little intricacy of our competition that is pretty unique considering we only have the 10 rounds with the 18 teams and some have been yep. in it from day dot and some have started a year ago. So that's the thing that does also come into play. Jess Doyle, goal of the year potential. We've had some good ones this year. This is right up there, I reckon. Yeah, well, I commentated the Kangaroos and Yada Bulti game, the Port Adelaide game as well. And I think there were three goal of the year contenders in mm. that game itself. So Randall, Ash Riddell and um, Alice O'Loughlin, all from the yep. same pocket in the field, one after the other. Um, I think, yeah, they'd be definitely in for a chance. Jess Doyle as well. We've seen some fantastic goals and marks this year. So goal and mark of the year will be hotly contended. I got lucky a couple of weeks ago. I did West Coast and uh, Sydney. I had two Chloe Malloy Rippers and an Emma Swanson Banana from the boundary in the same game. So they're going to be pretty hard to beat too. Yeah, well, as a commentator, all you want to do is call goal of the year. So I'm sure you'll be voting for those when you get the opportunity, Jack. Yeah, mum's voted, dad's voted, everyone's <laughs> voted. So uh, shout out to Emma Swanson. On the other side of this, we take a look at what's coming up and a little bit of trade news in the men's season as well. That's all coming up on Footy Talk. And, of course, if you've got a question for us, hit us up on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or TikTok as well at footytalkpod. This is Footy Talk, Kate McCarthy and Jack Heverin. Kate, we've got three rounds left in the AFLW season. We spoke about it a little bit earlier, the latter, that there are still some spots up for grabs. I'm also interested to know when it comes to the best player in the competition for this season. The Coaches Association votes are starting to get very, very interesting as well. Ali Anderson, the, the reigning best player in the competition, got 10 votes on the weekend. Jazzy Garner leads. Laura Gardner from Sydney, who's been a revelation this season, is second. That's getting very hot as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jazz Garner is still probably the one to beat, in my opinion, just her impact that she's having on the game and all the things that she does are things that coaches admire. Um, her work rate from contest to contest, not to say that all of those players that you just mentioned don't do that, um, but also her ability to consistently hit the scoreboard. She's kicked a number of goals this season and I think that's the, the point that sets her apart from those other two mids. Um, still can't get noticed by the umpires though, Jack. She <laughs> struggles to get any sort of umpire voting in the best and fairest for the league. So maybe this is the year that they notice her and give her some three votes in games where she absolutely deserves it. 
if she doesn't poll top three this year, we might need to launch some sort of inquiry or she might have to dye her hair blonde. Exactly. Maybe she wears like a Harry Potter invisibility cloak to (laughs) the umpire's eye because she can't get a vote. I think she needs some brighter boots, some blonde hair, a long, long sleeve next year, something like that to just really set her apart. Some quick hitters in the men's comp. There are only a couple of days left until the end of the trade period. Lockie Schultz gets to the pies. They trade a second-round pick, pick 34, and a future first to Fremantle. Now, I reckon there'll be some who'll be going, gee, this is a lot, but if you've watched Lockie Shields play, Kate, like you have, is it fair? I think it's a bit of a joke, to be honest, because <laughs> if you look at their – so they're currently 34, pick 34 they're going to get, and then the future first round. So if they if they go as well as they did this year, that's a pick sort of between – 17, 18, maybe 16 if they don't, if they drop down to third. So mm. that's, I reckon they've got him for a bargain and a team that's already stacked. It's, it's kind of becoming that, that Melbourne of a couple of years ago where they just keep attracting good players and Collingwood have done it again. And I mean, you can't do anything really about it. They've agreed to the trade. It's, it's what's happened, but God, I think they got him for a steal, an absolute bargain. I reckon Pies fans would be pretty happy with that. Uh, speaking of the Pies, Graeme Wright, the head of footy spoke yesterday, stamped out any move of Jack Ginnivan going anywhere else. So even from getting Lockie Schiltz in, someone who is probably going to compete for that small forward spot with Jack Ginnivan, but the Pies still saying he's a required player. Yeah, and if I was Ginnivan, I mean, there's that temptation to want to go, but you're in a club, you've just won a premiership, there's success there, and I think he's got a that's got to be a real motivator for him to get better learn off Lockie Schultz pick his brain work out what he does so well and then work out okay can we form a partnership up here whose spot can I take that that is in the team if you're going to come in and take mine so I'd look at it as some healthy competition and playing in a winning team there's there's nothing that quite replicates it so whether you're sort of on the fringe or you're playing every week I think it's a much better place to be than a club that's sort of somewhere down the bottom and you're trying to help with the rebuild. Saints have landed one. They were very keen on Liam Henry from a long way out. They've got their man. Future round two pick and a future fourth to Fremantle for Liam Henry and a future fourth as well. Do you like what he'll bring to the Saints? Yeah, I think he will bring that big X factor that they've got up there. I think we've seen Dan Butler, his form sort of fluctuate a little bit and he's played a different role, I think, the last couple of seasons rather than that X factor forward. He's played more that defensive forward role and um, you've had sort of other players be able to play that but I think he he offers that genuine speed and that genuine mm. X factor that I think they lack a little bit in their forwards at times so yeah I think he'll be great at the feet of Max King for sure. Jade Gresham lands at the Bombers that is done. The one other one I want to talk to you about before we finish up is a story that's doing the rounds at the moment there could be a little bit of kite flying here from the AFL just to kind of see what the interest is from fans, a doubleheader in Sydney to open the season. So we would have round one split in two and we'd have two games in Sydney the first week and then the rest happen the following week. Thoughts? I don't know how you manage that from a player's perspective, from a team that plays on, say, the Friday night or the Saturday night of one game and then there's a whole week off and then they play another team that's just played. I just don't think logistically it works, especially when you've had the preseason fixture, which has been sort of week Mm. on, week off, week on, week off. I just don't think from a conditioning perspective they'd be super stoked with that. And then you've got the the guys that played maybe – two weeks ago then coming up against the team after having another week off. So from a player's perspective, I've, I would hate it because you're, you're about to start, you get all set. If you're a Sydney team, you get ready to go and then you have another week off of running and running blocks and 
like match sim and everything like that and then you're back into round two and it goes from there. I would just hate how sort of um, gradual and um, I guess stop-start the the progress was or the, the start of the season was. It would really annoy me personally. Well, the only thing I'm thinking of from our perspective is that it feels like a mini gather round and I feel like that's a junket that you and I want to be on. Absolutely. Well, we heard what <laughs> Chew Man got up to last year at gather round and that is something that I want in on. So um, if that's happening from a commentator's perspective, let's go. Let's get to Sydney. Just like they said on The Hangover when they said Bangkok has him now, uh, Adelaide has the Chew Man. Yeah, and, he does. And we'll have him forever. Yeah, forever. Absolutely. And his his fingernail always yeah, has his true. fingernail. That's- Really weird what happened to him with that fingernail. Uh, tomorrow on Footy Talk, Joey and Days will be back. They're going to talk to Travis Cloak about his trade story as well, which will be very, very interesting. And we're getting to the end of the trade period. K-Mac, always nice to see you and good luck to your doggies on the weekend against the Swans. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for being with us on Footy Talk. We'll catch you tomorrow. Listener.